Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. Go buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com and join the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you follow the pages, all that good stuff. Just look up Westminster Effects and then give us five stars as a review. Be nice that way, even if we've ruined your life. If we've ruined your life as a podcast, then something's wrong with you. That's not on us. <laughs> I am joined in person by... Hey everybody, it's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. You want to talk about the uh, the thing that happened Sunday that we brought up on the bike? Or should we? <laughs> I've already forgotten now. Like the, I... the thing that happened at the prayer uh, hour. <laughs> so, so, so here at, at Res, we've... We're doing one service this month during July. During July, yeah. Uh, our normal service times are 9 and 11. So at 10 o'clock, <laughs> we've started opening things up for whoever wants to pray, come in and pray. And one of our dear older brothers said some... And, and the format was, don't feel like you'd only have to pray a single prayer and then you have to shut up the rest of the time. If God... If you feel God moving you to pray a certain way, then pray. Yeah. Even and, and if it's know, three it or was, four or five different times. We prayed for almost 50 minutes. Yeah. And it was, I, I didn't feel like at any point that it was like we were dragging it out. I mean, just each person in turn, one after another, would pray, not long prayers, but just as they were felt prompted or led to pray a certain thing. And tremendous variety. Tremendous variety. And I felt like a lot of really sweet prayers were prayed yes. for unsaved people, for, you know, um, uh, for our church, you know, um, j- just tons of things. And and this one older guy, he was praying for his wife, who was not present in the in the prayer meeting, and he prayed that she would act her age. <laughs> and literally everybody laughed yeah. in, in the middle of praying, which, which I thought was great that we, you know, we were okay with that. But uh, yeah. and he, he was not offended. Uh, I don't he's know not, how his wife would have he's felt. He's not a guy. He doesn't strike me as a guy who would get offended very easily. No, either. he's just not. But man alive. He oh, prayed that man. his wife would act her age. And I've just. We I, all about I, fell I'm out. on the front row, just shaking my head, yeah. like, "Oh man!" Yeah, it <laughs> it reminded me of a uh, a a funeral that my mom and aunt went to in in rural Mississippi. One of my great uncles died. Like he he had a massive heart attack mowing his lawn mm. and just keeled over, mm. just died on the spot. And a uh, little old country preacher, and he was talking about how you you need to make sure you're right with God because you just never know when you're going to keel over in the funeral. <laughs> and my mom and aunt start laughing, and all I they can see those and two you, giggling, and, and you can see them. So they held up Kleenexes to their nose <laughs> to look like they were crying, and they've got like these little old ladies, like family members, patting them. It's okay, baby. <laughs> and they're just laughing at it. <laughs> we could probably go so, all day on funny stuff that's happened in church. Oh yeah. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't say sure, sure, seriously. Yeah. So main topic, we're gonna yeah. explore something not in the modern church world, but in the modern secular music world a little bit. 
Uh, I just introduced you to a band that you had never heard of, but is enormous. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Uh, so the title of this podcast episode is The New Avenged Sevenfold Album Sucks. <laughs> and, and you'll see that here in a little bit. Um, so they just put out a new album called Life is But a Dream, dot, dot, dot. And uh, I figured we'd compare some of their old stuff with their new stuff, see some of the themes that kind of poke through. I'm not, this isn't an endorsement of all of Avenged Sevenfold's old stuff. Some of their old stuff is very much not fit for not just Christian consumption, but anybody. <laughs> like, they do have some songs that go far beyond the boundaries of, of good taste and whatnot. So what I'm going to do on my end uh, while we're recording is play some clips uh, because you know, even though Bradley's not a metalhead, you know, we're, we're both music guys and we know what's good, even if it's not our personal taste. Uh, we're not going to include us playing the song uh, in the recording because of copyright issues. And I don't want to get strikes on my YouTube where this also syncs up and all that good stuff. So here is, we're going to start with their song chapter four from their Waking the Fallen album in 2003 all right yep ready i'm ready all right so significantly heavier music than you're used to listening to <laughs> yeah but like i don't know I don't, I don't have enough experience with metal to like compare it sure um and like this is very early for them like this was before they were even on 2000 yeah 2003 so this was they put out another album before this called Sounding the Seventh Trumpet, which is not very good, I don't think. Uh, this was their last album they put out before they got a major record label deal. So this was still independent. So lyrically, uh, chapter four, it's a reference to Genesis chapter four. And the song is about Cain murdering Abel from Cain's perspective. Which, okay. which is which is pretty dang interesting, honestly. So, lyrically, give me your hand. Blood is spilled and man will follow. Infernal man, punishment too great to bear. Raise your head and taste the courage. Fall from grace on holy night. And then where he actually gets to the murderous part. And he's not glorifying murder. It's just telling the story, I think. I've come here to kill you, won't leave until you've died. Murder born of vengeance, I closed my brother's eyes tonight. And then later on, in a bridge that we didn't listen, listen to, you have, far away in this land I must go, out of the sight of the one, capitalized one, a punishment sent from his hands, a hardship that no one should know. Now go out of the sight of the one, away in this land you must go. Uh, and then where has he gone? What have you done? A voice commands from high above this earth. From the soil, his blood cries out to me, murder, liar, vengeance, deceit. So, yeah, I mean, two things I would say. Yeah. Um, number one, lyrically, there's not a lot of commentary. Right. It's just the story. It's right. a story song, which yes. I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, musically, um, and I know it's 2003, but um, I liked the melodic stuff in it. Yes. I am a sucker for minor third harmonies on guitar. 
Me too, and I and I I think probably because like 2003 was a little bit past my prime, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm I'm really musically I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, but yep. 2003 I was still pretty pretty well versed in modern, mm-hmm. and like that almost sounds familiar to me. Yeah. A little heavier, yeah. But like the the melodies and the harmonies and the guitar riff, yep. Like it yep. it, it almost feels like what we used to call ska music. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Never well, just that. the right, the, right, right. The, the 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 beat of it, yeah, reminds that is, that me of quick. that. Yeah. yeah, it's real quick. It's marchy. Yeah, it's got this. Yeah, it's, it kind of reminds me of ska. Yeah, it being metalcore. Um, so you have the heavy metal influence and a hardcore influence, so it's a little quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're obviously drawing a lot of influence from guys like Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax. Which I like, like Metallica, so yeah. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Yeah, and then if, if, especially in their uh, kind of mid-range type of stuff, once you get past like 07, 08, you see a lot more Pantera influence and stuff like that, um, at least I think. So yeah, well, that gets past my yeah, which is fine. Yeah, but but <laughs> I, I liked I liked the song. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on to the Beast and the Harlot uh, from their si- the their Harlot. City of Evil album in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do you think about that one? It sounds like Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> on speed. Yeah, Bohemian on Rhapsody s- on speed. I love it. Like you know, seriously, like yeah. the, the intro, like there's a lot of Queen influence there. Yeah, that's fair. I, I had never picked up on that actually. That's really interesting. I, because, I need to start running metal by you more often just to see what you hear. Because because there's like the the, the orchestral kind of way. It, it, yeah. Dare I say this about metal? It, the orchestral kind of way that it moves from one thing to the next. Oh yeah. Well, there's there's an entire subgenre of metal called symphonic metal. So like well, that, that's a thing. May, maybe that would fall into that category, but that's the way it felt to me musically. Like mm. the intro, yeah. Uh, I I could almost hear Freddie Mercury. Mm. I'm just a poor boy from a <laughs> like I could feel I could feel that coming. But uh, some of the metalheads want to punch you in the face, right? I don't. But well, I mean, sorry. But yeah, I'm not a metal guy. But I and I think like just reading over the lyrics for the first time, um, that. I would agree with you. I think that's a, a fairly decent exposition of uh, revelation there. Yeah. I mean, it's... So, this shining city built of gold, a far cry from innocence. There's more than meets the eye around here. Look to the waters of the deep, a city of evil. There sat a seven-headed beast, ten horns raised from his head. Symbolic... They picked up that it's symbolic... symbolic. Symbolic woman sits on his throne, but hatred strips her and leaves her naked. The beast and the harlot. She's a dwelling place for demons. She's a cage for every unclean spirit, every filthy bird, and makes us drink the poisoned wine to fornicating with our kings. Fallen now is Babylon the Great. So they even, I didn't put this in the lyric copy since we didn't listen that far, but you have... The fact that merchants and captains of the world, sailors, navigators too, will weep and mourn this loss with their sins piled to the sky. So, like, they had to get deep into the text and actually read multiple chapters of Revelation to put this song together. Well, and they read them well. I mean, like, you know, 
for one thing, like this genre of music, I could um, I can almost see like apocalyptic literature. Oh yeah, it's like, all over the fitting place. so well. I mean, and they probably kind of think that way already. Yeah, but, you know, picking up on the symbolism, um, like what was it in the seminar that we you and I both just attended? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Doctor Beal said, you know. Take it as symbol until you're forced to take it as literal, right? As opposed to the other way around, which most people. So they, they I think, like that's a that's a, a a very good interpretation of that. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Symbolic woman, uh, and then you have in the bridge, the day has come for all us sinners, as in the day of judgment. Uh, if you're not a servant, you'll be struck to the ground, flee the burning, greedy city, looking back on her to see there's nothing around. Like, apparently they're preterists too. Because <laughs> that, <laughs> that's hilarious. You, you don't have, there won't be another stone left upon another in Revelation. You have to go to Matthew that's 24 right. for that's that. Right. What, 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 what motivates them to write so many biblical songs? Right. Because you said they're atheists? I don't know about atheists, uh, but they are not Christians, like in the slightest. And even even as I as we discussed before we started recording, Avenged Sevenfold is a biblical reference from uh, God telling Cain that if anyone kills Cain, he'll be avenged sevenfold. So is this satirical for them, or is this just? I think it's just trying to write a good song. Okay, you know, and, interesting. And the Bible's pretty metal when you get down to it. You know, no, it's, no, it's, I can see that. You know, I can see that. I just I, like I just I'm curious like what their motivation is. Right. Uh so either way and, and you do see a lot of biblical references uh in even 80s metal. Uh well even Ozzy Osbourne a lot of people don't realize this. Ozzy Osbourne is a practicing Anglican. I think I knew that. Um <laughs> How well he practices it is another story, yeah. and particularly how well he practiced it in the seventies is <laughs> yeah. is a different story altogether. But there's some kind of proclaimed faith there, which I think provides a basis for writing good songs. Like even tangential Christianity, whether you're responding to it positively or responding to it negatively, helps you produce good art. As yeah. opposed to responding to effectively nothing. Well, and I mean, you say the Bible's pretty metal. I mean, I would say that you know the Bible is really, really, really set the set the inspiration aside, set the eternal nature of mm-hmm. it aside. It's really, really good literature. Yeah, these these, these are really good writers, and it's nitty gritty mm-hmm. life. Um, it is. It's unlike all the other ancient holy texts, right? In that. It doesn't pull punches about its "quote unquote" heroes' failures, right? True. Uh, like David and Bathsheba is probably the most famous one. Peter denying Jesus, and so on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a. It is definitely a religious book, but it's not. It's not void of of real life. And right. So I can see why that would be a trap. And you know, we, we're about to start this reading scripture class again. Um, How many times is this? I don't even know, but we've lost count. There's <laughs> like 50 people signed up to That's start awesome. tonight, and how many are is I? I would assume it's mostly from our church. I'd say it's about half. Good, but it's but it's almost entirely people that people from our church have 
recommended they take it. That's, ooh, there we go. So like there's it. like a viral nature to it. And one of the things we talk about in the week one, we'll talk about it tonight, is that the Bible is not boring. Right. Whoever said that, whoever says that or thinks that, they have absolutely wrong ideas about Scripture. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued that these guys yeah. want to write songs from biblical yeah. texts. Yeah. It's great. One more point on the Bible not being boring. I've recently heard it said. I don't remember who said it. I, I want to say it might have been Lewis or Chesterton, but the only bored people are boring people. <laughs> bored people are boring people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So an interesting thing happened relatively soon after that City of Evil album came out. So that was 05? Yep. Uh, 07, they put out a self-titled album that's also really good. And then in 2008, their drummer overdosed and died. So the guy who you've heard playing drums on both of those songs is now dead. Okay. Um, they they put out a couple other pretty good albums in after that, uh, but I think they're still recovering from that and still processing that. The dude was only twenty eight. Mm. And he died uh, of an overdose. You said. Yeah, I I think it was a suicide. Um, he he turned in. <clears throat> what turned out to be the final song on their album Nightmare. I think that's 2009 or 10. Uh, he turned in that song three days before he died. Hmm. Uh, really heartbreaking song when you listen to it knowing he died three days later. Like, hmm. just just will ruin you. Uh, but all that to say, this <laughs> is what they just put out a couple weeks ago. Uh, which one do I have listed there first? You have Nobody? Okay, yeah. So this is the one they've been pushing the hardest. Okay. So here we go. Okay. <laughs> so a <laughs> little bit different. I, I don't know. Like there are parts of it that I didn't mind. Right, right. I'm I'm struggling to figure out what the song's about. There are absolutely very interesting production elements here and there, like vocal effects and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that 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 sort of droning riff, like I kinda got tired of it. Mm -hmm. At first I thought, Okay, well that's different. Um And it just kept going. <laughs> yeah, the melody's not bad. Um I don't know. I like I, I don't know. Yeah. So they wrote most of this album tripping DMT. <laughs> what is DMT? Uh, oh, I can't remember what the chemical name is, but it's it's pretty popular for inducing hallucinations, and a lot of people will try to take it to contact ex extraterrestrials, and okay, and then they do talk to entities. <laughs> do with that what you will. <laughs> okay. Uh, so lyrically. Ride in the shadows, wandering beyond the frame. Float like a feather through space and time outside a dream. A pirouette with divinity in a dance we've shared before. Someone, dissolution. This is I am all as I am none. Here we fly so high. No I, no coming down. Shedding weight as I'm coming undone. All that's left converging as one. I am the sun. I am a god. I'm awake. I'm the one in everything. I'm alive. I'm the dead. I'm a man without a head. Well, it sounds awful new agey to me. Yeah, and it also sounds like, um, you know, the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Like when they were, they did Ooh, the same thing. Yeah. They were, did the same thing, right? Like they were yep. tripping on acid 
and writing these songs that, you know, just sounded like an acid trip. Like, yeah. I don't know what DMT, is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, and I don't, I'm struggling to, to figure out what is it he's trying to say. Right. Is there a point to this song or is it just a descriptor of how they feel when they're high? Right. We all live in a yellow submarine. That's what kept coming to my mind. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. All right. So last song. Whew, this one's a doozy. I, I will, let me say this. Yes. This, I, I understand why you said there's a notable shift in, because we've gone from two songs that have narrative, have story, and have substance, at least from the standpoint that they're talking about something that's actually been written yep. and recorded, yep. even if yep. they don't believe it actually happened. Yep. And, and that, that's not every of, you know, I, I think people might hear me conflate, that's all of their old stuff. No, it's not. Like, there's still some good old stuff here and there and all that, uh, but not every song that they wrote before was excellent. Right. Yeah, and I haven't. I, I'm just going off the two songs I've listened to. Right. These two songs not only had good lyrics, but there were melodic and instrumental things that were interesting. And this just seemed weird. Yeah, and even like the guitar impressively played uh, during the hook. Yeah. Uh, but where is it going? Yeah. I didn't. I don't think it really goes anywhere. Yeah. So uh, musically, lyrically, there's no point. We can't find the point. Right. Here we go. So, <laughs> I like nothing about that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, I, I struggled to find anything about it I liked. The uh, the guitar tone on the hook of the more power, more whatevers, the guitar tone there is excellent. It's very nice and chunky. Hmm. That's literally the only nice thing I can say. Well, there is one other thing where they say build wider. Uh, if you're listening to it in stereo, there's a very nice stereo effect there. Hmm. That that was intentional. So, lyrically, there you are, you've come so far, sunny days, the air tastes so sweet, flowers greet, birds will sing, you mean everything, you can be anything. And on that anything, they really had a, like an auto-tune, really weird thing. And then it goes into more power, more pace, more money, more taste, more sex, more pills, more skin, more shills. Build tall, build higher, build far, build wider, build here, build down, build up, build now. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's, either, it's either like a waste of musical effort or it's just above my pay grade. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I Honestly, I think it's one of those... And I, I understand cynicism uh, regarding the American dream or something like that. Is that, that. what it's about? I, I don't mean, know. I mean, I, 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 I can kind of get that. Like, But, you know, there's nothing, I don't know. For me, music is art that has to have this connection between lyrics and melody, lyrics and, and musicality in order for it to make sense. Like, right. I found myself... Like I, I, I was reading the lyrics while he was singing, but I was so struggling to make sense of what what's the point musically. What is the music communicating? That I, I yeah. don't know that I was even really paying attention. Right. Um. But if you know, if it's a satirical commentary on the American dream, okay. But 
there was nothing about it musically that made me want to listen to it again. Yeah. It it literally doesn't make sense structurally speaking. And it's and it's one thing to have a song that doesn't properly have a hook uh or properly have verse 1, verse 2, bridge, whatever. But this is all right, we're going to do this really chaotic thing and yep. then we're going to do this other chaotic thing. Yeah. Which really just kind of tells me that's in your head. The chaos is is really just what's inside coming out. Yeah. So. So yeah. what? So what do we make? <laughs> what do we make of this? Someone as someone who's completely uninitiated, uh, Kristen, my wife, is a huge Avenged Sevenfold fan. Even oh, to the, really, even to the point where she has in her office a hand painted version of their logo that she spent like eight hours on. Oh wow! Okay. And she <laughs> she was giving me a hard time for not including her on this, and she just started. You know, saying how sad she was by quoting their lyrics, <laughs> which funny. which was really funny. Uh, but someone who's uninitiated, you hear basically a thirty thousand foot flyover of their history. Like when you think of uh, proximity to worldviews and stuff like that, how does that kind of hit you? I you know. I have some level of appreciation for artists who um, are thoughtful. Yeah. And, you know, like, again, I, I appreciated the first two songs. I even liked the third one a little bit. Sure. The, the, after the drummer died. Um, because, I, I, I mean, I can, I don't know. I, I think I liked it musically a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this last song I didn't like at all, and right, uh, I know that I listen to totally different music than this. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, every every band just about that I've appreciated has at some point come out with an album that I'm like, why are y'all messing with stuff? Yeah, you know, yeah, like and, I, like yeah. I really loved. Um, oh, their name just left me. Um, um. What is their name? Bruce Hornsby. No. <laughs> Since we give the, you those, those English guys that did kind of the bluegrass rock thing. Um, Mumford and Sons? Mumford and Sons. I loved Mumford and Sons when they first came out. Everybody did. <laughs> I just, I just, yeah. it was unique. It was yeah. new. It was fresh. Like, here's a guy like stomping on a bass drum and wailing on a Martin acoustic mm-hmm. with rhythms that like by themselves didn't even make sense, but with his melodies, it worked. Right. Right. And he had things to say. Yep. There, there were, the songs had content and substance to them. And I'm like, that's fantastic. I yep. was, you know, really excited about them. And then mm. it just got weird. They yep. just got weird. And, and they, they stopped doing what, um, what they were doing in the beginning. And so that's the way this feels to me. And it, you know, I'm not a fan, so I would just dismiss them. But I feel sorry for Kristen, who <laughs> probably was really disappointed. Yeah, we, we were both pretty disappointed. Uh, you know, this was Waking the Fallen came out my junior year of high school, mm-hmm. right? So that was kind of like a high school soundtrack for me. And then their next album with the second song came out between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. So formative musical years, right? Yeah. Um, so those those albums have gotten a lot of play. Uh, and then, oh boy, this? <laughs> uh, 
here's here's a, a little bit of a spicy take is uh I think obviously we are saved by grace through faith alone. But cultural Christianity still produces better art than what we have now in the general sphere of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was more Christianity in the culture 20 years ago when those first two songs were published uh, than now when the most recent two, or you look at stuff like Sam Smith, Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, they couldn't get away with the stuff that they're doing at least as much and get radio play 20 years ago right? when Christianity had more influence on the culture. Ergo, Christianity is good for the culture as a whole. Yeah, no so. doubt, no doubt. So take that. Take that. R2K, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So any any other thoughts before we move on to the Inquisition? Because I know that got weird. It, it, it got weird and... The last song I checked out, so I have no more thoughts. I have. <laughs> I do not hold that against you in the slightest. Let's do the Inquisition. Sure. And this is the Inquisition where you submit questions, we answer them on the fly. You can submit those questions via a weekly post. Well, weekly when we're recording every week. In the Westminster Effects Oxology Podcast Lounge, if we're recording, it'll come out on Monday. So, in line with our main topic, this wasn't even planned. We'll start with Drew Medden, who asks, what's the last band or artist that made you feel excited? My goodness. You go first. I actually have, I actually have one ready there. Um, I actually also sent this band Pedals. They're called Sailing Before the Wind, and they're a Japanese metalcore band. Kristen found them on Instagram, okay. and she's like, you have to check these guys out. And they're actually really good. Okay. So check out Sailing Before the Wind. Here's, uh, I mean, they're metalcore. I don't think YouTube will ding me for this. So anyway, really good band. And... Mm. Pretty much all their lyrics are in English, which is nice too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Like, um, I mean, I listen to stuff that's just so far removed from that. Um, oh yeah, like the the stuff I listen to now is it like we're as a family. Um, we listen to a lot of Ben Rector. Okay, Drew Holcomb. Um, things like that because we like stories. Yep. And yep. I've even had like a little resurgence of love for country. Yep. Because country tells a story. Tells good stories, yeah. man. And um, so I don't know. Like I, we we went with we took our kids and another friend, couple of ours took their kids. We went and saw Ben Rector live in a um, uh, at the Charlotte Amphitheater last summer. He'd just come out with this album, The Joy of Music, and the stories in the songs are just so good. Mm. So real life. Like, so e- even though Ben Rector's younger than me, so real uh, to my stage of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it almost sounds like he's had a midlife crisis in his 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some of the stories in there. And so we just, we like that. Um, I can't say that I've been overly excited about 
him, but I certainly enjoyed his music and enjoyed enjoyed sharing it with my family. That's kind right. of the thing right now is like the stuff my kids like um, is what we've really played the most. Yeah, so. yeah, and that's that's I get that. Yeah. Uh, music is more fun when you can share the enjoyment with someone. Totally, uh, which totally. is why I married a metalhead. Yep. <laughs> you two were cut out of a mold for each other. I wish it's a little creepy, isn't it? Everybody in the audience could see this. I did pre, pre, y'all's premarital counseling yep. and performed your wedding ceremony. Yep. And I've never met two people <laughs> more made for each other than you and Kristen Fields. It's like what? Like there, Kristen's gonna hear this and tear up. Oh man. <laughs> Y'all, y'all were designed for. Uh, there is no one else on this planet either of you could have married and been as happy as y'all are. That's it's amazing. Yeah, you are not wrong. Uh, let's shift gears. Nathan Presswood asks: Does God communicate with us through dreams? Whether that be trying to relay information about the future and still a spiritual lesson, or some other reason, can our dreams have any spiritual significance? And he gives some context. He has some friends who are no doubt brothers in Christ. Uh, who were discussing the meaning of a recurring dream, and I wasn't sure how to respond. I wasn't exactly comfortable with the idea since it seemed to lean a little too close to divination. Uh, but for the record, they weren't trying to get a quote-unquote new word from the Lord. They were just searching for application, if any could be found. Whew. How's that for a question? Well, the, the simple answer is yes, God can communicate through dreams. And I, I see no reason in the New Testament to see God does communicate through dreams. He right. has. That's, that's clearly evident in the Old Testament. Um, and there's nothing in the New Testament that would point us towards him ceasing to do that. Mm-hmm. In fact, the exact opposite, I think, is what the New Testament seems you're, you know, the prophecy in Joel rehearsed in Acts 2 as a fulfillment, your your old men will dream dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there's, or your young men will dream dreams, your old men will see visions. I, I may have got that backwards, but um, yes, God can, but it gets abused. Yes. And so people want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And this is one of my pet peeves right now is that, no, God is not adding to the canon of Scripture right? by speaking to his people through any and all means that he chooses to do that. I mean, one of the things mm-hmm. the New Testament lauds is that God is a very creative audiovisual communicator. Mm-hmm. What went on in the upper room, what went on with Peter on the rooftop before he went to Cornelius' house, what, God, what Jesus did on the road to Damascus for the Apostle Paul, you know, there, there are just a variety of ways in which God likes to communicate, but it, we're, we're, no one has to conclude that present, ongoing communication from God in whatever form it may take um, is adding to or going to in any way contradict the canon of Scripture. Right. In right. fact, this is why out, we have elders. This is why we have elders. This is why Paul would write and say, Test everything. Don't despise prophetic utterances, but test everything. Abstain mm-hmm. from every form of evil and hold fast to what is good. Yep. It's a very simple instruction yep. that I think we don't have to conclude that every time somebody has a dream and they're feeling inclined to pray and see if God might be trying to communicate something through that dream, that that's a spirit of divination or that's a, 
you know, some kind of wacky thing that we shouldn't even consider. No, I think the New Testament says test it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Test it. And if and if it turns out to be you just had bad pizza before you went to bed, then dismiss it. And, and that's something I'm particularly susceptible to, especially yeah. like if if <laughs> when I used to watch The Walking Dead back when it was good, the first couple seasons. Yeah. I had so many zombie dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it was running from them, killing them, whatever, I had a lot of zombie dreams. Yep. Um or if or if I've watched a lot of Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, like that's going to infiltrate <laughs> my dreams. Uh I don't think I've ever had anything where it was like, "Oh, I think that was God." Uh that doesn't mean that God never gives someone dreams. Uh but like you said, it has to line up with scripture. You know, like here's an example. Um, Mary, when we were engaged, she knew that she was marrying a man who was going to become a pastor. Okay. And her grandfather, who died in the early 60s, um, was a pastor, a very influential pastor in the lower part of this state. His wife, uh, Agnes, um, Mary knew, but only when she was very young because she died in the mid-80s. Okay. And as we were engaged and it was getting close to the wedding, Mary told me this after the fact. She started to have some real emotional kind of thoughts and feelings that, man, I'm so sad that my grandmother is not here because I would love to have her mentoring voice in my life as a pastor's wife. Hmm. A soon-to-be pastor's wife learning from a lady who was a pastor's wife and her husband died. Mm -hmm. I wish my grandmother was here. And she was really, really sad. I didn't know this. Like these were, Mm -hmm. this were in the weeks leading up to our wedding. I didn't know that she was battling with this sadness that she can't talk to her grandmother. Yep. Well, lo and behold, not long before our wedding, she has a dream. And in her dream, her grandmother comes to her, shows up and She's so happy in, in the dream, and she's so um, bubbly, just like she was in, in this life. And she talks to Mary, and she encourages her. And Mary's like, no, don't leave. I'm about to marry a guy who's going to be a pastor. I need you. And, and she said in the dream, her grandmother looked at her and said, uh, Mary, I've got to go, and you're going to be fine. Hmm. And she left. Now, Here's where we got to be careful. That was not literally Mary's grandmother in that dream. Right. I don't think the Bible gives us any room to conclude that people from eternity can come and visit us in dreams. Okay. Yep. Yep. I think that would be to, 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 to conclude that we might be able to put ourselves in a dream state or, or in a dream state, communicate with those who have crossed over. That's new age, occulty type of nonsense. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But is it wrong for Mary to conclude that the Lord gave her that dream? Right, 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 to right. Say to, her, to say to her in a way that she could understand in a way that I don't think it's an accident that God designed us to have to spend a third of our life on our back <laughs> unconscious. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that why? So that he could communicate to us when at a time when we're finally slowing down enough, turning the noise off enough, that he might be able to say some stuff to us. And could it be that the Lord of heaven and earth gave Mary that little dream mm-hmm. that wasn't literally her grandmother? Right. 
but just to say to her, Mary, you're going to be fine. And your grandmother's up fine. Like, I don't think it would be wrong for Mary. Mary holds on to that dream Mm -hmm. to this day. Yeah. And I don't think that's wrong or wicked for her to say, you know what, the Lord gave me that dream, as long as she understands that from a biblical standpoint, this is what it looks like to test everything. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if she were to try to conclude that was literally her grandmother coming, then I think we'd have to look at some scripture and we'd have to have a conversation. Right. But it's not wrong for her to conclude that the Lord gave her that dream at 21 years old, a young lady about to marry a guy who's going to be going into the local church as a minister, as a mm-hmm. pastor, to just encourage her and say, you're going to be okay. And, you know, with the you're going to be fine, like tying that into God working all things. Totally. There's right. so many scriptures that we could anchor to, and that's how you test things, and that's how you can conclude that, yes, maybe the Lord is communicating something through this dream that we can lean into mm-hmm. and take courage from. Uh, without coming off the rails biblically and and getting weird. Right, yeah. That didn't strike me as the, oh, no, that's cringy, and I need to just shut that up. No, like, yeah. entirely reasonable conclusions yeah. were drawn from that. Yeah. Uh, Brian Morris asks, is Shohei Otani the next Babe Ruth? I think skill set-wise he's better. Hmm. The dude throws 100 miles an hour, and he has 32 homers at the All-Star break. He's unreal. <laughs> it's just stupid how good he is. Have you ever watched? I haven't. Like, well, I've seen a couple highlights, but I, I need to go watch him. It's He's fun. Uh, also of note, Ellie De La Cruz, the new guy for the Reds. Mm. Have you seen his, his highlights at all? A couple. Uh, did you see where he stole second, third, and home in the span of two pitches the other oh. day? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world with these people? Where yeah. are these athletes coming yeah. from? Yeah, and his like the guy's hitting stuff like 115 miles an hour off the bat. And he's Good he's grief, a lot of fun. Man. So That's the Reds awesome. the Reds are an unexpectedly fun team. Uh, shout out to Seth Morrison, who is a gigantic Reds fan, uh, and is he did not expect to be in first place at the All Star break. Um, final question: Matt Copeland asks, uh, "We're in Philippians." Yep. As a church right now. Uh, so he has a question about Philippians 4.7. He says, does that really teach that God will give us peace on the correct decisions that we make? Philippians 4 verse 7. Let's read it. So rejoice in the Lord. I'll back up to verse 4. Rejoice yep. in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the question is what? Is, does that teach that God will give us peace on the correct decisions to make? No. I don't think so either. No. This isn't about, I mean, obviously the Apostle Paul um is not excluding uh, circumstantial things where we're, we're not sure what to do. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, being anxious could be because of that. Right. I don't know if I'm going to take this job or that job. I'm going to marry this person or that person. You know, like, th- that can be a source of anxiety, but Paul is not drilling down specifically to decisions that people are trying to make. He just says, don't be anxious about anything. Yeah. 
But always pray and always give thanks and make your requests known to God. Why? Because we know he cares. We know he listens. He's already said in chapter 1, verse 6, he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Therefore, we don't have to be anxious about anything. We know God is working, and, and we, can, we can make our requests known to God, and peace which passes understanding will guard hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I, I don't think this is about being led by peace to this decision or that decision. This is having sort of a transcendent peace that guards our hearts and minds from anxiety as we navigate this life in general. Yeah, we, we are not promised to feel at peace on every right decision. We, there, there are times when I've made a decision to talk to somebody about something and I don't feel at peace about it because I know how wrong that conversation can go. Right. And, and things of that nature, you know? But, but you can have an abiding peace that even though you don't know how that conversation is going to go mm-hmm. and if that person is going to respond negatively, you can know, okay, God's working all things together. He who began a good work will be faithful. The Lord's with me yep. in this. I yep. feel confident at least that this conversation is necessary, and so I can trust God no matter what the outcome. Yep. That's a transcendent kind of peace yes. that isn't just, I mean, Paul says, let your reasonable reasonableness be known to all. Mm-hmm. So it's not wrong that we could use biblical reason to lean into that peace. Yep. But yep. I also think it's not an either or, it's a both and. Yes. That this is a supernatural work that God does mm-hmm. when we pray and give thanks and make our requests known. God does a supernatural work, and sometimes that will include our reasoning that we 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 go we rehearse the scriptures, we rehearse these timeless truths that keep us in perfect peace. That's what the Bible says too. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Right. So right. A uh, really helpful book for this is uh, "Just Do Something: A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will" by Kevin DeYoung. Uh, the subtitle is "Or." Uh, now, obviously, we just talked about dreams, but I think he's talking about relying on those kinds of things. Or how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, writing in the sky, etc. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I was uh, reading not that long ago uh, the story of Joseph and, you know, sold into slavery by his brothers, goes to Potiphar's house, is mm-hmm. betrayed by his wife in prison interprets dreams, is forgotten about for a year or two, and then becomes second in command in Egypt. Joseph had no, I don't think he had really any concept for how big of a thing God was doing in and through his life with him going to Egypt, becoming second in command, sustaining the known world through a severe famine, You know, not the least of which included his 11 brothers and father from which the nation of Israel would come mm-hmm. from which Messiah would come, etc. <clears throat> there's, there's just such a huge thing going on there. And yet Joseph, Joseph has confidence in the Lord and he just keeps doing the next right thing. Yep. You know, yep. I was sold into slavery. I'm going to be a good slave in Potiphar's house. Mm-hmm. I was betrayed by Potiphar's wife and imprisoned, I'm just going to do well in prison. He just keeps doing the next right thing. Right. And I think that's maybe what that book is hinting at is that... Practically, yeah. 
you just sometimes like you don't have peace about everything or anything yeah and in in the terms that people typically talk about it and so what do you do sometimes you just do the next right thing yep and you trust god through it even uh like with our text the other day uh here at res and philippians one of Paul saying that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And he's not saying, I have peace that I'm totally going to get out because the next verse is uh, that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Whether by life like, or by I'm death. I'm good. You Either know? way. Yeah. And it, that's, it, a, that's a big theme in Philippians. Even when he talks about the offering they tried to get to him. Yeah. I'm content. I know how to abound. I know how to be brought low. Yeah. Yep. It, in any and every circumstance, you know, it's, it's so, yeah, I think that, that is mm-hmm. that peace that passes understanding. Right. Regardless of the circumstance, I'm at peace because I know who's in, ultimately in control. Yep. And to put a bow on it, you know who needs that peace that passes understanding is Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> <laughs> they gonna, could use some of that. We should pray for them in our prayer meeting. We should. <laughs> and... and Ask God to cause them to act their age, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's priceless. Oh, man. Well, thanks for listening to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. Go love God, love your neighbor, and make some music. We'll see you next time.